Welcome to the Minnesotan Pod. Today we got a real gem of a Minnesotan from Roseau, Minnesota, Billy Lund, uh, the do-all chief cook and bottle washer of Roseau Hockey Tournaments and Roseau Hockey. Uh, we'll talk about his uh, youth career, uh, winning a state championship with the Rams, his roller hockey and professional career, and what he does now with the Roseau Youth Hockey Program. Should be a fun show. Hope you enjoy it. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire Well, Billy, how are you doing today? Good. Uh, this should be a fun little number. Uh, you have a lot of uh, fans down here in the Twin Cities. Uh, they rave about your tournaments. They rave about your personal touch on uh, your events up in Roseau. Uh, so uh, it should be fun. I look forward to meeting you. Sounds good. Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit about growing up, Rozo. Uh, your dad, uh, I'm sure he had some influence on you, the game of hockey in Rozo, especially in the in the 70s when you started playing the game. was Rozo was about as hot as hot can get with the, with the Broughton group, Butsy Erickson and all those guys. Walk through your first memories of being either playing hockey or watching a hockey game at the Memorial Building. Uh, I get, you know, Neil, when Neil was a senior, I was probably four. Um, I guess I knew him a little bit. He had worked for my dad out at the carpet shop. So I knew him, um, probably the next year when Aaron, um, was a senior got, you know, was a little more aware of what was going on with hockey. And it was just fun. Uh, you know, as when, when Neil was there, we were young, but the games were 15 to one and, you know, <laughs> 14 nothing 16 two they were just they beat up pretty good on all the teams up north here you know until they'd run into edina down in the cities but right um it, it was just uh it was just a crazy atmosphere because there was obviously a lot of people at the games and you know they just scored a ton of goals and uh you know we got to skate with them on the north rink as little four or five year olds so it was just pretty pretty cool experience so when they win gold uh, in 80 or, what, six years old, you know, uh, what are your remembrances of that and Neil being on that team? Um, Yeah, it, it was pretty big. I think I was eight or nine at the time probably. And yeah. So, I, I mean, everybody was following the whole thing. And, you know, at that time we were actually old enough to kind of know what was going on and everybody remembers where they were at when they watched it. And it was just, uh, you know, and then big – big homecoming for Neil when he won it and everything. So it was, uh, it was pretty special for the whole, for the whole town and, you know, everything that went into it. That, that's, that has to be even, even in Roseau for crying out loud, who had, you know, been in a state tournament every decade dating back to the forties. That's still kind of a shot in, shot in the arm for the youth program and kids to wanting to play hockey. So you guys must've had full rinks back when you were a kid skating in the North rink or skating wherever in town. Yeah. Back, you know, back when we were growing up, well, obviously there was no phones and, uh, 
no Game Boys and all the stuff they got now. So that was about all we had to do was skate. So, um, you know, out on the Memorial Ice, it was always open skating when you were probably four, five, six. And then once you're old enough to go get run over by the big guys, you went out to the North Rink and um, we'd play a little cross ice game. And, you know, the bigger guys would go back and forth. So, right. Um, you know, we kind of, but I mean, there was times when we were kids, there'd be 40 to 60 kids out there. And, you know, it was really no colors. It was take all the sticks and throw them in a, pile and half go here and half there and it was you know oftentimes the big game was 20 on 20 and we'd be playing cross ice just between the blue and red lines and right you know we'd have three four on a team and like i say i don't know if we learned to keep our heads up but after you got run over four or five times you knew when the high school boys were coming at you how much did your your dad being a, a former bulldog and you know legend himself in that town how much influence did he have in the game or did he have just none he just probably bought you a skate and sticks and got out of the way yeah he you know i obviously our parents were super supportive back in those days i mean it, you know get home from school and if there was open ice they'd bring you up there or you know whatever it was but i know they took many many trips back and forth to the rink and we could, there was always one public phone up there. We could call when we needed a ride or bring up a sandwich or whatever it was. But, you know, they, they were, you know, our group, we had a really dedicated group of parents that just got us to the rink a lot. Um, when you were playing um, in your day there, how much of the hockey was, uh, we'll use this term travel. Was there much travel then or was it mostly uh, just fairly local with maybe Thief and 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 Warroad and and maybe a little bit of Grand Forks in there, or was was well, it just all local when you were younger? No, it was. Uh, we always had a Saturday morning league for like mites, and then once you got up to Squirts Peewees, we had a Monday night in-house league. Uh huh. But I know once we hit Peewees, I mean, we'd go to Fergus Falls. Uh, That's a hike was, for you guys. Yeah, I mean, there. You know, once we hit Peewees, it was full travel. I mean, it, you know, the money our parents, how they afforded it back then. Because, um, I mean, it would be six, seven weekends a year before playoffs and peewees. And I remember in Bantams one time, we counted, we had 13, 13 road trips. And that was obviously with Holy Maha and BFW State. Yeah. But, you know, you had districts, you know, BF. And so, yeah, it was... It was a lot of travel back then, and uh, we were fortunate that all of our parents could somehow swing it. <laughs> and that's a lot of hotels. That's really expensive. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was crazy to look back and think how they did it. We talked a little bit before the show about uh, how the the process of fundraising, you know, how you got into tournaments, and it was to defray some of the cost of the players. And they were selling candy back in the in the early two thousands, four or five hundred dollars in candy. Were you selling four hundred dollars worth of candy when you were back, even in the eighties? I would say, you know, back back in the eighties was probably two hundred dollars worth per kid. Okay, so and there was it was, always, it was just tradition sell sell candy. Yep, and that was basically the you know you'd buy a few meals for the the kids got a few meals and the basically paid for the coaches' rooms and manager maybe or whoever it was but it you know used to be a lot of fundraising 
Right. So so walk through how I'd love to go do a little peewee bantams. Did were your peewee and bantam teams competitive state champion quality or was did you guys just grow into a great team once you got to high school? Uh actually we won two peewee state tournaments. Uh do you remember where they one, were? One of them was in Warroad. I think that was the <laughs> second year. That's kind of a rip off. You had to stay in your own bed, basically. Yeah, we didn't even get to travel. <laughs> right, okay. Was, uh, All right. It was pretty neat. Edina was up there. I remember we played Edina and Blaine, and I think Rochester was the other one. Um, and then the second year in Pee Wee's, I think we went down to Litchfield. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the funny thing is, we always played Grand Rapids. That's whenever I was the second year, we played them in Litchfield in the final. No way. And then uh, in Bantams, we played them in the Maha. Yep. I think they beat us in the Maha, and then we beat them the next weekend at VF. And then when we were seniors in high school, well, we ended we'll, up on. Don't don't spoiler it. We'll get to there in just a second. Don't ruin it. <laughs> but like yeah. back then, I mean, this is this is um, Nooch is on that team. Who else was on that Rapids team that you remember? Uh, Jeff Nielsen, Fairchild. Oh my uh, God. Adam Roy, I don't know. I think they had five guys that played in the show. Uh, Jeff Nielsen's brother, Kirk, was he – he may have been a little bit younger. He was he younger, right? Kid. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they had a heck of a heck of a squad. Yeah. So, at the time, did you realize that how good those – I mean, Nielsen and Nielsen and Nooch were that good? Well, we – yeah, we did because they'd pump us at least twice a year at <laughs> – at tournaments <laughs> they always uh we didn't get beat too many times but uh they gave us a few 12 to 10 10 one games in really so they didn't respect you guys at all no they thoroughly enjoyed it <laughs> i'm sure they did i'm sure they did all right so you guys just kept so was oh oh here's a question um i always hear about the dick johnson right so this guy from what i understand was 40 plus years the peewee coach, PBA coach, uh, in Roseau. Uh, was he your coach? I'm assuming he was. He was. Yep. All three years, all three years. Okay. So, uh, what was he like as a coach? I mean, was he an X's and O's guy? Was he a, uh, work you guys hard guy? Was he a skills guy? What was he like as a coach? He, uh, he did everything. He, he pretty much, he loved sideboards at the end of practice was his favorite. I'm I'm but, having PTSD uh, when you say those words. By the way, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> but it was uh, it was kind of back in the day when you were we'd go watching squirts and um you could kind of you could kind of make the kids work their butts off just by being a little bit physical as a coach and we'd always be half scared to move up and but once you got there it was just part of the part of the game and um, the older he got probably the less he. Uh, had to throw guys around a little bit to make them work hard because <laughs> they, they just knew you better work hard for Dick. And, um, it was, it was a different animal back then, but he was, uh, he was good at everything. He taught skills. He taught, he taught you to grow up quick and, you know, always wanted to win. So he was an authoritarian, maybe. Totally. 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 He, uh, he was, uh, he, he just demanded the best out of everybody and, Fortunately, it was kind of legal back then. <laughs> so, who is who is the was there a famed Bantam coach too? Well, Lou Erickson, uh, 
he he ended up doing it for many years. Um, I know he coached our two years, and he had coached many years prior to us getting there. And he was uh, Mike Bumgartner was a former Chicago Blackhawk. He's coached probably ten, fifteen years. Wow. Um, prior to Lou, so I mean, we always had. Uh, yeah, they put in many years back in the day if they started coaching it seemed like ah, that's impressive that's impressive um all right so let's get to senior year um i was doing a little research and i saw <laughs> i saw what you did in section play it was it was it was gross i mean it was like every game was 10 15 to nothing uh you walk through section play and you get to the state tournament it was your only state appearance or did you make it as a junior too nope we uh just just the senior year Okay, that's a that's a pretty special group. Um, walk through that process, uh, getting to the state final. Um, you you win the first game. I was here. I was digging through here. Um, you win the first game against um, White Bear, which was good. We kept the White Bear streak alive, five to one. Uh, anything you remember about that game? Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't even. Everything went so fast down there. It was it was like the little kids down in the big show. It was just pretty. Uh, I think we were in awe, kind of every everything and right. But it was, uh, yeah, it was good. I remember Brian Bonham was the sophomore, and he was good. Stud. Yeah, he was good, and we, you know, that was what our coach said: keep Bonham off the board. And don't remember if we. I guess I don't know if he got the goal or not, but I know that was our focus that game. All right, so then and and then Anoka plays Rapids in overtime. Were was part of you cheering for Anoka in that one because they played before you guys? <laughs> I'm sure we were because we faced <laughs> them about 15 times growing up, and we were probably five and ten against them. So and they beat you in the regular season too. Yep, they had beat us four three or four two in the regular season. We always we had good games with them most of the time, but every once in a while they'd give us a pretty good beating. All right, so then you make the state final. What are your memories there? You beat them 3-1. I believe, if I'm looking at the box score right, you were trailing um, after the first, tied it, and then it was, you know, and then you guys got two in the third to win it. Uh, what are your memories of that game and beating those guys? Uh, I just, you know, Dean Blaze was our coach back then, and I guess, you know, the, the biggest key was, I mean, he skated our tails off from day one till. I think uh, we even got a little condition conditioning down on the old. Uh, gave us some sideboards on the old clear glass in the St. Paul Civic Center just to. <laughs> the morning skate wasn't pretty, huh? Yeah, I mean he and he just he was a firm believer in being in shape, but it was more of a mental thing. You think he just, you know, even in the district playoff games, I mean he'd give us twenty minutes before each each game just he just didn't care it was more of a mental thing and he had us in good shape and that's probably why we won in that third period i guess looking back now what were some things besides conditioning that dean blades did for you to create a difference between you and your competition was there something was it strategy was it uh was it more be more physical what were some of the things that he wanted to do to the opponent um I don't know. He just conditioning was his biggest thing. But the other thing with him is you didn't have a choice to not 
be your best every night. I mean, he just got the best out of every player. And he made dang sure at the beginning of the year that we didn't make the all hair team and it wasn't even around that, but he, <laughs> right. we all had it growing out for two, two years in the back thinking we were going to do that. And first day of practice, he ended it real quick. Brought the scissors in. You got take three, four inches off or don't show up tomorrow, boys. So we all had to get our hair cut the first, second day of practice, I guess. Man, you were just, we're 10, 15 minutes in and you're already delivering some some gems here. (laughs) I I appreciate, this is good stuff. All right, so you got kind of an interesting post uh, high school career. You spent one year at Duluth. Um, I'm guessing what what went wrong there. Where do you want to leave and go back to juniors? Not playing. Uh, what what made you want to leave UMD? Well, mostly Derek Plant was so dang good <laughs> that nobody I got the puck. Wa- I got to watch him play for about 35 minutes a game, and I knew that the writing was on the wall. I wasn't gonna outplay him in the next three years. So he was a he was a sophomore. He was my roommate, good buddy of mine. But, um, you know, towards the end of the year, I didn't play much, and I just thought I had to, I had to move right. just to get a fresh start. It was just a tough year coming off of, uh, you know, three three good years of high school. So you went to uh, you went and played for the Vulcan. I'm dying to find out who the Vulcans coach was then. There were so many great Vulcans coaches. Who was your coach there? Genzel and I Ward. Figured it was those <laughs> two guys, but I wasn't sure. I wasn't yeah. sure. So what a what a crew that is, right? Yeah, Gens made us ride home with our equipment a few times and go right on the ice from Waterloo, Iowa. Yeah. Great, great memory in juniors. We had a couple fights in practice after. and <laughs> So, but yeah, one year of junior was good, I think, just to, just to get back into the swing of things. and Had the puck on your stick, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then you end up in St. Cloud, had a great career there. Uh, what are your, some of your memories of Coach Dahl as a motivator, as a strategist? Uh, what were some of the things you liked about him? And, and actually, I think Ernie was a coach there as well, Tom Serratore. Yep, him and, uh, him and Mike Hastings were the two assistants. So, uh, yeah, we had a really good, really good threesome there. Uh, Hastings and Ernie were they really knew their stuff. <laughs> uh, and I, I would call them energizer bunnies too, compared to coach Dahl. Right? I mean, these guys were high energy guys. Yeah, definitely. They were, they were intense and tense and coach uh, Dahl pretty much ran the practices, but you know, hasty and Saratori, they were the, they were the motivators that they were good at chewing us out if we weren't giving her a hundred percent. So, so you, uh, the, the program is kind of climbing at the point in the early nineties. I mean, not, not having great success, but not failing by any stretch. And you're kind of climbing t- towards the end of your career. Walk through coach Dahl. I had heard that he didn't even skate at practice, maybe wear boots or did he have, actually have skates on? When yeah, he, was he, had, practice? He, had, <laughs> he did have skates, but uh, he, he wasn't going to make our first power play on his skating ability. <laughs> <laughs> I heard uh, that. No, I'm like now I've heard it. You know for sure that that did that was the case. Yeah. What was what was he like as a coach? I mean, where what was what was the kind of the key to his success? If you were you're coaching today, you think, oh, Craig Dahl would do this as a coach, and I could maybe do that as a coach at Roseau. 
yeah, he just, uh, I mean, he, he was a good motivator too. I mean, he had, I don't know. I think he told us once that he had read all the books. And so he was, you know, I think he learned a lot from Herbie. I don't know if he coached with Herb Brooks at Bethel. Um, but I know, you know, Herbie, Herbie and him were really close and right. kind of, he kind of got him there and I'm sure he, you know, sure he had daily or weekly conversations with him just on, uh, you know, everything that he needed to do. And he got uh, us a good goalie with Grant Shervin. I know that. And that was, you know, part of the reason we had success with our teams at St. Cloud. We had a heck of a goalie. Yeah. And, and, and there were so many good players and, and one, and one or two in particular you take credit for, I believe is uh parish and Cullen who really turned the program to the next level. Uh, were you their recruiter? I've, I've heard that you may have turned the tables on their entering their recruiting visit. Yeah. When they came in on their visits, uh, Cullen, we were friends of their family. They lived in Roseau up until Matt was like five before they moved to Virginia. So I did not my, know that. Yeah. My dad and his dad actually taught together and we, you know, didn't live far apart. So, um, we used to go to Virginia in the summers, you know, just for a weekend, long weekend. He was or a few years so, younger than you though. Right. So were you kind of, yep. that's kind of a cool connection. Yeah. So he was like probably, I suppose five years younger. Cause I had had that junior year. So my right. senior year was when he came in, on his recruiting visits. So, um, yeah, I know I, we hung out that weekend a little bit and, but yeah, those two definitely took, uh, took St. Cloud to another level. Well, we got a, a quick pause here. You've, you've had some of the Collins, uh, make their way through now. Is that how the life comes full circle for you? Probably every year during your tournaments, don't they? Yeah, I mean, you know, Matt actually Matt's dad Terry came up with Matt's boy this year because for Bantams or Peewees, uh, that was Bantams. Okay, he was down at Hockey Day when they were up here. Yep. So, uh, his father Terry, uh, came up here, and then uh, Mark Cullen was up here with his boys in the Peewees, coaching Peewees. So, um, yeah, they had a heck of a year. Yeah, they did. They were their peewees and bantams. So. Yeah, yeah, they did. Uh, okay, uh, back to let's. Talk, we don't want to talk too much about Moorhead on Roseau Show, do we? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> right. That's too much Moorhead talk. Yeah. All right, uh, let's move on. I think you got a great career though. So the St. Cloud days get over, and you start. You have a pro career that's pretty cool. I mean, uh, besides playing for the Lakers, do you want to talk a little bit? Was Cal involved with the Lakers still in the nineties, or was had Izzy taken over completely? Yep. Yep, that was Cal, uh, 100%. I think I, after my senior year, I went and got cut somewhere in Columbus and called back to Cal, see if he had an extra spot there, and came back and basically played for him for two years. And then um, John Hansen was playing there with them, and so he, he got me into roller hockey during that summer, and then I ended up you know playing roller hockey for probably four or five summers between once the Lakers folded, then I ended up going down to Lake Charles, Louisiana for four years. So that's the years I want to talk. So you, in those four years, um, in the WPHL, you also played roller hockey. So you had like six months of ice and three months of roller. Yep. 
and maybe rolled up. some rolled some carpet in between too. <laughs> yeah. No one's yeah, gonna I'd accuse come. you for being lazy. That's for sure. <laughs> right. I'd come back and lay carpet for a month and a half, and then head head back to wherever I was going. So. All right. So walk through this. Like one of your stat lines, I uh, was on Elite Prospects, and I saw this. I'm like. I got to read this for everybody. They're going to get a kick out of this. I can see if I can find it here really quick. It's it's actually hilarious. Like 19, 1990, 98, you had 100, listen to this stat 68 games, 36 goals, 49 assists. Quite the player, right? 85 points, 100 penalty minutes. You were busy <laughs> even on the ice. <laughs> with that yeah, my, that's kind of you 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 never got a short sh- uh cheated out there did you no my stick liked to swing a little bit too much and uh i never let it leave my hands either i had a bunch of tough guys on my team that year so did you fight in this to get the 100 100 minutes or were these are, are these 52 minute minors yeah, you just heard me. My stick never left my hand. That was all minors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. So these guys, I, I asked this off the air. I thought your answer was pretty interesting. These guys you're playing with, it's some college players, but a lot of Canadians as well. What, what was it like growing up 20 miles from the Canadian border and then playing hockey 20 miles from the, the Gulf of Mexico? Yeah, it was uh, obviously when – you know, about a hundred degrees difference, 20 below or right. 80, 80 above, you know, or, or 60, even in the down Lake Charles, even in the winter, I mean, pretty much wore shorts all the time walking into the rink and people would just look at us, even though there's a lot of Canadians, but they would look at, cause I just never wore jeans No, and they're like, unless we had to dress up for a game, but yeah, it was, that was the biggest difference. A hundred degrees difference. I mean, Lake Charles, that's that's Cajun country, isn't it? It is. It's it a was, little uh, bit different. I mean, from, from American culture, that's a big difference there than anywhere else in the country. Yeah, it's it was about as redneck as it got down south. It was, uh, it was <laughs> I know. A fun, it was a fun, fun place to live. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good stuff. All right, just out of curiosity, did your parents or family ever come down and watch? Yeah, my dad came down probably at least twice a year. My brother, I know he came down a few times too. We there was a few other Rosa guys that played with us off and on. Right. Um, you know, some guys off the Warroad Laker team our first year there. I think we probably had five of us there at one point. Oh, so it was that, a big party then. It, yeah, it was a big. It was a good, good show down there. Oh, that's good. That's just good stuff. So after after your career kind of winds down. You lived in you've lived in Roseau your whole life, right? Yep. I mean, other than these these little stints in roller hockey and and yep. and, and ice hockey. So, talk about the roller lifestyle. Um, I went to one Arctic Blast game over at the Target Center. Anything that stands out for you there? I mean, those games got pretty raucous. Uh, I remember when I was at a game, it was pretty loud. It was good crowd. It was fun. Uh, it was entertainment. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was it was more of an offensive game just because it was only four on four. Yeah, and there was no blue line for offsides. Basically, the red line, you couldn't pass it across the red line. So that red was line was only, offsides, right? Yeah, you just couldn't pass it. Yeah, you couldn't pass it across there. But if you skated across there, 
the guy could be all the way down at the goal line. And you could pass. Him. Correct. Got it. Got so it. He could be down there, but so yeah, it was just uh, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't uh, send one. You couldn't do a full. Nope. Right. Got it. Nope. All right. You couldn't. You had to get skated across the red line. But just the offensive play compared to how hockey was so much more defensive. It was, you know, and as roller hockey went on, the defense kind of got to be more and more. Right. I guess as, as it went, but it was a, it was definitely a skilled, skilled players. If I recall in the roller hockey, it seemed like a WCHA all-star event. I mean, it just seemed like that's what the league was kind of made up of. Right. Yep. It kind of was. I mean, it was, it was, uh, you know, usually you'd have one defensive defenseman and the other one was pop offensive. And then, then the two forwards, you know, were pretty much mostly offense. So, was Dennis Baruch a coach in that? He was. He was our coach for the was he? Minnesota Blue Ox. Yeah, 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 yeah. We played at Aldrich Arena that one summer. Yeah. So, what was that right like? There. I mean, did you know him as a as a North Star? Did you recall what he was? What was he like as a coach? Yeah, a bunch of hockey cards of him. But yeah, <laughs> he he ended up. Uh, that's how we ended up down in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Was after. Our first year with the Blue Ox, Dennis got the head coaching job down there, so that's how we ended up actually going down to Lake Charles. He's like, so. you guys can play in this league easily, right? Yeah, yeah. The points were amazing. I mean, you had 58, 85, 73, 65. It wasn't like you were a fourth liner here. No. You had to have that loved was, it. You Those must have been some good, good years. It was good knowing the coach, so we got to play on some power play, I think. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't hurt. That doesn't hurt. Right. <laughs> well, good deal. All right. So so you, you're back in Roseau. Um, it kind of all starts in 2007. Um, how did you – were you – even in, even when you got done with your career, were you pretty involved in the youth program? Slowly but surely we worked towards this 2007 thing where you start to put on tournaments? Yeah. What, what happened in those years, 00 to 07? Were you coaching the high school team? Yeah, I coached Bantams for one or two years okay. with Aaron Broughton. Yeah. Like probably 04, 05. I've heard of him. Those. I've heard of him. All right. Yeah. And then and then 06, I helped uh, Scott Oliver with the high school team, 06, 07, and 08. And then I went down to Bantams after that. But I guess it was somewhere in that 07 area that I – you know, we kind of started doing these tournaments up here, and um, yeah. So oh seven, that's the was that the state champion year? Or was oh eight the champion year? I can't remember. Oh uh, seven was the state champion year. Okay, so is you Scott Oliver? You and I think Andy was on the staff too, right? Yep, he was. And is there another? Was there anyone else on the staff? Or was this you three? I think uh, probably Jim Lumbum. Okay, was that his cousin? Uh, Andy's cousin and Andy's uncle uncle. Okay. I and knew it wasn't probably, his brother. Yeah. 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 Probably Mike Bumgarner. Jamie Bufflin was on that 06, 17 too. So yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what was more special winning as a coach or winning as a player? Oh, the coaching thing was really cool. I guess just, uh, cause you kind of had lived old. it, right? So it was like a right. little bit older and just, uh, seeing, seeing you know what you can get out of the kids and i think blaze is uh teaching teaching us to skate the heck out of them i mean i know scott oliver gave me the whistle the last 25 minutes of every practice and we kind of went with that same theory and sideboards 
right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, great. So you you win the state title there. Like you got some you got some medals on you, man. This is good stuff. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I like it. So I want to get to the 07 stuff because it's it's really kind of a, it's a key moment in in where Roseau hockey is today and somewhat moving forward. Um, you you got you you stepped up to help with the coaching. I want to go through the candy things. We talked about candy when selling two hundred dollars worth of candy, and was it you or was it a collective body? Or was it like we got to stop selling candy. Let's let's start let's figure figure out a new way to drive revenue into our youth program. Yeah, I I don't even know how I I know I I know what happened. We were uh, I was coaching with Aaron them years. Yeah. And basically our Bantam team just had no money. Aaron brought and I think out of his own pocket bought the boys pizzas a couple of times and Right. I mean even even back when we were there the VFW would kick some money in and um after that the VF did start kicking some money in but like we had a Lions Club tournament in town that basically it was eight teams and they got all the money and sent it out of town to wherever the Lions Club was. So really basically the next year me and uh, Tracy Bobcat Osby went and kind of said, you know, we need to do our own fundraising. And we kind of took over that Lions Club tournament and we got a Bantam and a Pee Wee tournament going that year with the help of uh, Eden Prairie and Edina, basically. Uh, I knew Noel Ron and Jeff Johnson a little bit and basically they came up the first year and um, things just kind of took off from there. So Noel brings, he's Eden Prairie peewee coach or Bantam coach? He was peewee coach at the time. The other thing he did too is he brought their Bantam team that first year. Was Gertis uh, involved in those guys? At, at that time it was Chris Lacombe. And look, and Gertis, Gertis was assistant maybe? Gertis ended up coming probably the 10 years after that. <laughs> <laughs> just got Lacombe once and that's all you needed, right? <laughs> yeah. Lacombe and that's kind of what happens. Once. Teams come up. Obviously, the competition's good because you get the, the Grand Forks teams over there and the World teams and your teams. Yeah. But that's the key is, right, you get the Edina, you get the Duluth East, and now you're getting Hermantown to come into town. The key is just getting a couple of them and then put on a good show. What's the secret to your show? I mean, what is it? I, I think I know what it is, but I'd love to hear well, your answer to that. That's a, that's a good question. Those guys that we just mentioned, they were all pretty good uh, guys that drinking alcoholic beverages. So they kind of <laughs> went back to uh, they went back to their home, you know, hometowns and said, wow, you guys got to try a tournament up there. And, you know, that's kind of the fun that we had our parents uh you know our parents would run the clocks and parents would you know go out after and everybody would just have a good time um long six hour drive but i think just of how our parents and everybody in roseville kind of ran the tournaments um is kind of where the success you know just from a good time you know it's way up here but but they, from what I understand, is you know you got the therapy room, and we can't really talk too much about that. But it's it's a it's a spot where 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 people really got to know each other. Their teams from other towns are becoming friends in this little Zamboni room, having a beverage or two. I think that's one of the was one part of the secret sauce, right? Yeah, that was definitely a good thing. I mean, it started out with coaches, and it's now done, so we can talk about it a little bit, but. Right. Um, you know, it started out with coaches and managers, then it just became parents, coaches and managers. And 
I mean, it was just kind of a good social gathering. And, you know, from there, the Legion was 50 steps across the way. Yeah. And, you know, so that was a, you know, another thing between periods parents could go over and have a have good time. One. Not that, not what that's what hockey's all about, but it, it added a little fun. I and guess. then so, ice fishing is always part of the, part of the gig too, correct? Kids would go out yep. and do ice fishing. And yeah, we started that after probably the second year, you know, I'd try and schedule the games where they had a nine o'clock game. They're done by 11. They could be on the ice by 12, 1230 and then fish for four or five hours. The fishing wasn't always that great, but it was just a good experience. Get the whole, you know, whole team out there with the coaches and, Oftentimes parents went too, and some of the Saturdals and stuff probably aren't invited up too much anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Um, Okay, so you put on excellent. So it kind of grew though, right? Like, like it 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 grew from just the 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 Stan Osby, Bantam, and the and the Dick Johnson to now you have an Aaron Broughton. You have a tournament pretty much every weekend, correct? Yep, we pretty much start now like November 15th and it goes through like February 5th. So it's, it's usually 10 or 11 weekends. You get Christmas um, off, right? We did this year. We did have one on New Year's. and So we had one on the 19th and then Christmas fell on the weekend. Right. So we did, we did have one, you know, shortly after. So basically Christmas is the week week we take off or weekend wherever it falls closest to that and do sometimes kids get uh, a rosso home game right it sometimes falls on a rosso home game doesn't it so the kids yeah. get to see it right? yeah oftentimes you know and it even happens with the world game sometimes and right so we've had we've had some really you know they come up thursday night if the game's either in rosso or world and yes you know so that's been kind of a neat thing too i mean not that the rinks aren't filled if it's in Rose or Warwick, but it really adds to the atmosphere. Just get a bunch more kids in there. and So, yeah, it's been good. I was in the uh, press room of the Frozen Four out in Boston last week, and some guy, I can't remember his name. I got to look him up. I, I would know what he looks like. He's a broadcaster for maybe Big Ten Network or some college hockey thing. He goes, it's a bucket list thing for me to broadcast a Rozo World game. I'm like, ah, it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. Yeah. It's, a, it's a packed <laughs> barn. And I go, and I think I know a guy or two who can make that happen. So if when you wanna, <laughs> right. you wanna make that happen, we can definitely make that happen for you. It's a pretty special game. I did my first one this year. I did girls a couple of years ago. That's the first time we met was over at the Ram Center a couple of years ago. Okay, it's a pretty fun environment. Anytime those two towns really clash isn't it yep yeah we've uh i know we've i think we i think we both agree that it, we pretty much bring the best out in each other and it's been what you know one of the things that's made our programs as successful as they are trying to compete against each other and just makes both both towns better here's a sidebar question i didn't this was not part of the plan do you think the rivalry's a little softer today than it was when you were growing up oh do you know what i mean by softer i mean like when yeah. i was growing up i hated washburn like i want i want southwest i want to kill those guys and i didn't even like them right. off the ice you know until after college after high school but yeah. like 
I feel now like we all play summer ho- so much summer hockey together, and we're traveling together. It's just it seems a little lighter than it used to be yeah, back in the seventies and eighties. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is the kids nowadays have a lot more uh, checkbook hockey? I guess I would call it yep. where they get to be buddies, you know, playing where. And yeah, I caught a kid talking on the ice this year, and I'm like, hey, we don't talk to the other team on the ice, but well, I played with them. Doesn't so matter. yeah, I think it definitely uh, is a little bit lighter. And the other thing is their kids come over here and skate now and they get along where when Izzy and Ryan Christian came over here and skated, we got in fights. So <laughs> I mean, it, it's definitely uh, changed in that matter. I mean, their kids were here last summer, you know, skating with our kids on the ice and they actually rent some ice over here sometimes. So. I was going to ask you that question. I was talking to you. I won't name the Roseau resident. I don't want to get him in trouble. But he says, yeah, we a uh, handful of our guys went over to the gardens this summer when they had ice and we didn't and skated. And it was it, it was welcome, but we felt a little off. And, and when they come over here and skate in the summer, it, they, they're welcome, but not too welcome. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. And that's yeah. still true, isn't it? Yeah, and like this year, you know, basically what they did is they rented blocks of ice. They'd rent an hour and a half at a time. And But I know there's a lot of them. I see the high school boys out skating, and it was always good for our kids. Uh, a bunch of their kids would come over, and it just makes them all better. So, I mean, there was some – the high school team would skate from 7 to 8, 39 every night, and there was some hard kids sneaking over here. But I think that's – That's I okay, though. Good. Yeah, I don't think that's the end of the world. That's for sure. That's for so. So walk through. Um, I want to go through, and I, I know you don't want me to talk too much about this, um, but the the seven hundred thousand dollar addition uh, that was made to the North Rink, where these kids. I mean, I, I I'm gonna try to do my best to explain uh, the North Rink and the locker room situation in Roseau, and then you're gonna talk about kind of how it all got built out. So uh, each team, this is like even the PWBs, right? So the Squirts, the Peewees, the Bantams, they all have their own locker room, right? The the, the equipment is stored there Monday through Thursday, correct? Yep. And then tournament weekends, they got to get the stuff out of there because they become the visitors' locker room for the weekend. Right. Okay. So uh, it's Tuesday afternoon. I've seen this with my own eyes. It's, this isn't some fable. It's Tuesday afternoon. School gets out at two twenty or whatever. The kids can literally walk from school or get off a school bus and get dropped off at the rink and and skate all afternoon go put their equipment yeah. on and then hang their equipment up, go home for dinner, come back for practice, do whatever they do. Correct. Right. Most of the time, um, you know, sometimes there's a, like basically now, nowadays the varsity and JV practice first, right. Uh, one on Memorial, one on North. And then after that, um, there's usually either open skating or open hockey on one of the rinks, you right. know, pretty much for the evening. Uh, usually we try have open hockey every night from seven thirty on. So really, so basically, yeah, the North Rink. Um, and somewhere in between there, you're squeezing in practices for the Peewees and the Squirts and the Bantams, right? Well, basically, our Peewees and Bantams go all early morning, six thirty. So like our Bantams go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then our Peewees go Tuesday, Thursday, and then oftentimes they'll sneak in another one, you know later at night on Memorial or something like that. So 
And then our squirts usually have one after school sometime on one of the rinks, either when the varsity's done or JV. So, so there's no after, shortage of hockey is what you're saying. No, it's pretty much, and they pretty much run. The girls have their, you know, do a lot of their skating over at the Ram Center. Yep. Um, so they, and, you know, so they got enough ice over there. The same thing, I think their 12U probably does early morning. Do they? So okay. you can usually get that out of the way and, so we try and keep so there's at least two hours of open hockey every night or open skating at one of the three rinks. So so for those listening, I want to explain this to people. The Ram Center is a girls' dedicated facility that's attached to the high school or, or all the schools. Are all the schools in one campus? So like K through 12? Yep. Okay, it's so just uh, it's not attached to the high school, but it's right on the premise. Right. So this Ram Center, I think, is it even go down to 6U? 6U has their own rinks, 6, 8, 10, 12, like that? And then obviously high yeah. school? Yeah, I think high school, JV, and then probably 12U and 10U. Okay. They all have their own locker rooms. So they, they, they store right. their stuff there. Um, I think it's the only community girls-only rink in the world. Can you think of anywhere else that has that dedicated to it? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think there is, right? <laughs> I, I tell people is. from Rose all the time and they just get starry eyed. I'm like, are you serious? I'm <laughs> like, yeah, not you're living in a very special place. Um, I gotta check my census records, but we're talking twenty five hundred people, maybe twenty seven hundred on a good day, and you guys have three indoor sheets. Does that seem normal to you? <laughs> I guess just because we've had it for, <laughs> for many years. When was no, the Ram Center built? What year, roughly? Gosh, that must be 15 years already. Yeah. I'm not even sure. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It's, it's been there a while. I always joke. I'm like, you realize that, like, there's very few, like, Bloomington. I live in Bloomington, 80,000 residents, three sheets. Yep. 2,500, three 2, sheets. 2,500, right. Yeah, who's got prior, whose priority is in hockey here, right? <laughs> I think you guys should put a Hockey Town USA little stripe on your water tower. That might piss those guys (laughs) off a little bit, don't you think? (laughs) Yeah, I don't think they'd like that over to the east. (laughs) (laughs) I don't either. I'm, like, stirring things up now, aren't I? I don't mean (laughs) to do that. Sorry. Sorry. All right. Uh, Okay, so so you build this thing out. Uh, You put a $700,000 addition uh, to this you know, to the, to the North rink. And it's, it's pretty nice. I mean, I, I when I've gotten my tour or two, they, they're just so proud, especially the Peewees and Bantams, their locker rooms are like a lair. I mean, they have like video games and it, it's a beautiful setup for yep. these kids. So it's kind of like an incentive to make the Peewee double A team and the Bantam double A team. Correct. Right. And that's kind of why the Bantam A one, I mean, they got their own stalls. It's, it's like a low grade college room where you got your flip up seats and the, you know, the peewee ones right below it. Yeah. It's not quite as fancy, but it's just a big dressing room for 17 peewees, you know, and they all got their own showers and um, yeah. And Jimmy stored all a, he, an old Minnesota gopher. He was uh, very instrumental in that whole thing. I mean, I was kind of fighting with youth hockey about, I think we should put on six new, dressing rooms so all of our squirts peewees bantams can have their own rooms and it'll make it easier for open hockey and right you know i was kind of having a fight and then this jimmy Stordahl stepped up and he said well you know i could i could help out and he ended up donating you know two hundred fifty thousand to the whole project um it ended up being about 750 to eight hundred thousand. so 
That's um, amazing. Took, took many years to pay it off, but, uh, you know, huge thank you to all the city teams that do come up and use it now. Uh, they were very instrumental in paying for it just with, you know, basically it was, you know, fundraised by, by the tournaments. So, well, it's not just the, the, not the not just the fifteen hundred dollar tournament fee, right? When you stay in the hotel, there's rebates there. You you spend money at the the legion. You you you're putting money back into the town. You're spending money at the concessions. All that money right. goes back into funding youth hockey. Correct? Yeah, our tournaments are cheap up here. They're only eleven hundred. No, good, you right? should rank, so raise the price, Billy. <laughs> raise the price. Checkbook hockey, man. They'll pay it. They'll pay it. Sorry, I didn't mean to lowball you there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but it's it, uh, but but you also have to factor in the, the travel costs and all that stuff right. too. So yeah, a little a little why, bit. I, I don't think you should. That's why we try to keep it down. Just you know, it's a long halfway to the Arctic Circle or it whatever. Really is. It really is. I don't mind it though. For me, I've gotten used to. I've made a lot of trips up there the last few years, and I really don't mind it at all. There's there's a lot of things you can stop and see on the way up to either Rose or Ward, if, if you ask yeah, me. Yeah, you could just get an airplane like Tom Gerdes and fly home, too. I'm sure he's done that. I'm sure he's done that. <laughs> Anytime we can rip Tom Gerdes, we can make an entire roast of Gertie, that would be fine by me. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, I, I do want to talk about that a little bit. We've, we've talked about JJ and Noel and Gertie. There's some other there's some other youth associations who have been instrumental in coming up there. I think Maple Grove's kind of starting to become a regular Duluth East has been quite a regular in your in your events. Grand Forks has. Are any names yeah. you want to spit out there who have been helpful to get getting you up? You build your 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 tournaments up there. Yeah, there's. I I would say just about everybody down there. Chaska. Yep. Uh, Maple Grove sends at least four teams a year. Um, you know, Andover sent a lot. Champlin Park, St. Louis Park. Everybody's. You know, Minnetonka. Yeah. Um, list goes on Lakeville, North, South. Um, it's been really cool. And that's what you mentioned something about the therapy room. I mean, you know, after we did it for a year or two, somebody just sent up a Jersey and said, here, Bill, hang this in the therapy room. Well, I don't know. We must have 60 plus 60 or 70 jerseys in that, in that Zamboni room in the North rank. And it's just really cool walking in every time and thinking, you know, every one of these teams have been up here, and it's uh, it's just pretty neat. I remember leaving the therapy room and seeing the 50 to 60 jerseys and said, yes, my jersey will be up there within whatever, <laughs> 90 days. I couldn't get a jersey manufactured by K1 fast enough. I'm like, I got to get my jersey hanging up there. And right. You know what I mean? I'm like, I run over there. I'm like, put this thing up there. I got to have it up there because it is. It's, it's, part yeah. of the, it's part of our state culture when you have those 50 or 60 jerseys up there. And it's cool, too. It's like Egan and Blaine. Yep. And, I mean, it's not just the Edina and Eden Prairie Maple Grove jerseys. It's everything. Yep. And you can see Coon it there. Rapids. Coon Rapids. <laughs> Fergus. I loved it. I love seeing them. It's pretty cool. I love how it just kind of, they hang up there. It is pretty special. You guys are do a really good thing there. Um, We talked a little bit about concessions. I want to talk, you run the concession stand now, but tell me a little bit about the family that ran it before you. They like, didn't they like own a turkey farm and bring their own turkeys in and give you turkey sandwiches, something like that? Yeah, they owned a turkey, uh, he had a big turkey farm that he did two or three flocks a year and they made these turkey sandwiches so 
dang good that I still hear about it six, seven years later. I love it. I and love it. They, they, uh, you know, I asked them for the recipe. They said, yeah, we'll give it to you, but try it one year without it. The problem was they were so good. He was cooking 28, 29 turkeys per week. He'd have to cook three or four a day. Yeah. And then the whole weekend, starting Friday morning, he'd have turkeys cooking in his right oh. in the place there. Yeah. So he just told me they were into turkeys and he said, it's so much work you can't imagine it. And after doing it, you know, the concession stand in general the first year. Yeah. I just went up to him and said, Thank you. <laughs> I said, yeah. Couldn't imagine cooking twenty-eight turkeys. And they had to cut them all up and Yeah. It's uh, work. They were very they were awesome and special, but it was kind of their little specialty. So Yeah. Why did they get out of the business? They had did it for thirty five years. They just years got and, they were retired. Right. And, you know, like they said, without the tournaments, it was very doable. But they started, you know, basically you start on the week, tournament weekends. You know, sometimes we even have games Thursday night. Yep. You know, if teams get here early, you know, sometimes we'll have two or three games Thursday night, two at the Memorial and one at the North Rank just to get everybody's bus legs out. Yep. And then uh, so they'd be there from Thursday night and then Friday all day, Saturday, all day, and then Sunday till about four. So they just got so, tired. Yeah. And I mean, they, they had did it for 35 years. I mean, back when I was at, in peewees and squirts, they, they were, were doing it. Again. Yeah. So oh, I that's mean, pretty they, cool. What were their names? They, I just throw, give them uh, a shout. Doug and Linda Headland. They, uh, she gave me her special barbecue recipe. So that's kind of the next biggest thing to the taco in a bag. Now was there any relation to the Headland that played at Wisconsin? That would be their his parents. Okay, so that's yeah. your buddy then, right? So this is yep. this is Todd, like Todd your buddy's him. parents. Yep, yeah. That's really cool. That's really cool. Uh, okay, so what's what's next for Rose O'Hockey? Um, obviously, this was a big year this year uh, for the team. They had a Mister Hockey winner, your second uh, Mister Hockey winner. Um, what's next for Rose Hockey? What What's the big project, Billy? That you you're going to let us in on what you guys are working on? <laughs> yeah, I don't, we don't. We got most everything done now. I guess it's just to kind of keep the dressing rooms up. Um, you know, at our last meeting, they were talking about doing some painting. They've been there now. The new rooms for seven eight years and kids just love to shoot pucks at white paint so <laughs> yeah, we tell got me about it we got a little touching up to do and um we have a weight drum that we last year we kind of started up top my nephew um actually is starting to work out you know all the high school band and peewee kids in the summer so we uh we got that kind of going last year we bought you know quite a bit money worth of weights and we're just going to keep adding to that and hopefully we can uh, get things rolling here again. Do you think that, uh, how are the numbers? Like, like I know that the, the peewees and bantams the last couple of years have, haven't had as much success as you're used to. Do we have some good numbers in, in Roso at the mites and squirts levels are going to push these yep. kids? Our, our mites and squirts are really good. Our bantams are going to be down next year a little bit, but yep. the high school numbers are okay, but we do have, uh, we do have uh, really good numbers at mites last year and squirts. So we do have a kindergarten class that only has 50 yeah. coming up. So that's uh, that's not good. But 
hopefully we can get into that recruiting a little bit. Yeah, you gotta get in the earlier. You gotta get in the recruiting field. There's there's plenty to. We gotta get in the game everyone else is playing. It's funny we we talked about a little bit, but it's it's not just private schools. The public schools are some of the best recruiters, and I hate to use the word recruiting, but they they make it attractive. And and we've talked about it for forty five minutes here about how attractive it is to play in Roseau. So it just just takes a little work, but uh, your good buddy Izzy is has not done a bad job at his program, you know, making it attractive to come there. You guys can do the same. He's one of the best. He's one of the best. <laughs> and he's good at a lot, too, not just yep. recruiting. So uh, right. hats off to him, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, well, I really appreciate your time here today. I had a blast uh, talking about uh, the tournaments, uh, your love and commitment to Roseau Hockey, and talking a little bit about your dad and his playing days and, and all his involvement in Roseau Hockey as well. Yep. I appreciate Good it. talking. Billy yep. Lund from Roseau, Minnesota. We had a blast.